It's great to be here. It's good to have so many different uh, people contributing to the meeting. And I had Helen reminding me of everyone's name, so thank you, Helen. Uh, uh, so I will be quoting names, and you may think, how does he know my name? Uh, it's because of Helen. So um, I want to look at the whole subject of loving God uh, this morning, us loving him. But the Bible primarily talks about him loving us, his love being abounding. He's abounding in love. He has great love. He has unfailing love. His love endures forever. The Bible really puts an emphasis on God's amazing love for us. And I suppose most of us would, uh, if you know one Bible verse and only one, you would know the verse, God so loves the world. He so loves the world, he gave his one and only son. So the Bible's emphasis really is all about God's love towards us. And uh, we've had the privilege of being in Liverpool for a while now, and uh, the famous people from Liverpool say, all you need is love, which is partly true, as long as you've got something of God's love. So I want to look at actually not God loving us. I will mention that. But our response is us loving him back. Which may sound easy, but I don't know about you, I didn't grow up ever even thinking about loving God. I thought about loving a football, a little bit later loving a tennis ball. I, I tended to love some kind of sport. That was my early love in life was all to do with sport, but no one ever taught me about loving God. I suppose I was probably taught about being kind to my cousins, so probably be kind to your sister and your cousins, but, uh, but I was never told about loving God until a, a teacher, when I was 12, invited me to his crusaders group. And I went for a whole year it was a sort of Sunday afternoon group in Horsham where I grew up. And um, during the year, I heard all kinds of Bible stories, and I believed them all. And at the end of the year, and the teacher was only my form teacher for one year, once you uh, did that year, I went up to another class and didn't see him again. But uh, at the end of that year of going to Crusaders, I made an excuse, and that's what Moses did. Moses made an excuse, I can't speak. Well, my excuse was this, uh, Lord, I'll give my life to you. I do believe you exist, I do believe you're real, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I'll give my life to you just before I die. Bad decision, uh, but that's what I did at 12 years old. We make excuses. And Moses actually was a believer in God, a follower of God, but he made excuses. We make excuses as to why we don't follow God better, love him more. But I want to talk about us loving God. And from loving him flows everything else. And knowing his love, it helps us actually to love each other. We're encouraged to love other people. Christians, not just in this fellowship, but all over the earth, wherever we meet them. And we're also encouraged to love the people who don't know Jesus yet. Uh, so, uh, love Chester. For us, we've got a little phrase saying, love Liverpool. 
It's important that we love the people around us, but actually you're never going to be able to do it unless you really understand something of God's love and then say, Lord, let your love flow through me and flow out of me. Now, I don't know about you, but as, as we were driving over, I was thinking all about Peter, the Apostle Peter. He's broken bread with Jesus. And Jesus has said to him, Peter, you will deny me three times. I'll never deny you three times. Even if everyone else uh, falls away, I will never deny you three times. And then very soon after that, Peter denies him three times. Well, how does the God of love deal with his rebellious apostle, Peter? Well, Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. And uh, at the end of John's gospel, we find John saying to his friends, I'm going fishing. Which, I don't know if you know, but Peter was a fisherman. He'd left his fishing business. He'd followed Jesus for three years, seen amazing things, even walked on water at one stage and then sank and Jesus lifted him up and protected him. But Peter had seen amazing things, but now he's, I'm going fishing. I think he was going back to fishing. I think he was ready to pack it all in because I don't think he could forgive himself. Maybe that's not the case, but he had some problem with really going for God now that he denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus uh, is on the shore, Peter's fishing, uh, and they see this distant character, and this distant character shouts to them and says, have you caught anything? No, we fished all night. Cast your net on the other side, and they do, and the boat is filled with fish and they know it's the Lord. And uh, usually the fishermen all pull the nets in together. There uh, probably were four of them. Uh, Peter just jumps into the water and starts swimming towards Jesus because he knows it's the Lord. And the, Jesus then cooks breakfast for them, so they have fish and bread, which kind of reminds me of the, the feeding of the 5,000 all over again, except here he's feeding the 12 again, probably. <laughs> And then Jesus takes Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And that's the question I want to ask today. Do you love Jesus? Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you, Lord. Wasn't it me who took the sword and when they came to capture you, didn't I cut the servant's ear off? Jesus said, yes, but I had to heal the servant because of that, Peter. Uh, uh, and then Jesus says again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you, Lord. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Be kind to my people. Do you love me, Lord? And it says Peter was hurt because the Lord asked him three times. It's important for us to know that Jesus really loves us, but he loves it if we love him back in response, not because we have to, but because we get to. Peter gets to love Jesus, and Jesus, when we're struggling, he's the one who comes back and says, come on, come on, let's go on this journey together. The next thing we see is Peter preaching, and 3,000 get saved. You think, 
How did that happen? Because Peter was encouraged that Jesus is still for him. Jesus won't ever give up on him. Jesus is fighting his battles. Jesus said, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I'm praying for you. Jesus is praying for us. He always makes intercession for us. He's at the right hand of God, but he's praying for us, the people of God. And if you're not yet one of the people of God, he's saying, come just as you are. Because there's something in us. When I was 12, I thought, I don't want to give my life to Jesus just yet because I'll have to clean myself up. Which is rubbish, actually. I've never cleaned myself up. Jesus cleans me. He's always the one doing the work. He's always the one changing me from the inside out. When I try to clean myself uh, spiritually, uh, it just doesn't work. I need to keep coming back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm yours. You've got to help me. Um, so I don't know if, about you, but if you ever talk about, um, are you a good Christian? And you, if, you, if we went into Chester today and said, are you trying to live a good Christian life? They would probably say, well, I'm trying to live a good Christian life. I try to be kind to my neighbor which actually is a good Christian thing to do, be kind to your neighbor. But actually, what is really a good Christian? I would say the good Christian starts with being someone who loves God, someone who loves Jesus. That's a good Christian. Even if they've messed up, denied him, a good Christian is a person who says, whatever mess I make of life, I trust him, I love him, I'm leaning on him, I'm looking to him. So the Bible is full of God's love for us, but I want us to focus on our love and response to him. So Jesus says it this way in Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's our emotions. Are there times where you laugh because you're a Christian. Other times where you cry because you're moved emotionally as a Christian, because you love God. Love him with all your heart. It's an emotional response. We're not meant to be the frozen chosen. We're meant to be an emotional people for God. With all your soul, that's your whole being. With all your mind, that's all your thoughts. Keep bringing your thinking, your mindset back to him. Say, Lord, you've got to change me. Renew my mind. I'm not thinking the way I should. Peter wasn't thinking right when he said, I'm going fishing. I've had it, guys. That's it. Jesus had to come and help change his mindset and say, come on, Peter. Feed my sheep. I called you to be an apostle, to be a rock of the church. And when you're old, you'll go where you don't want to go. And your hands will be stretched out. Jesus was saying that Peter was going to end up crucified in Rome. Peter ends up changing Jerusalem. If you go to Rome today, there's quite a few signs that Peter has had an influence on Rome. You've heard of the Catholic Church that you might, uh, I don't mean Peter planted the, the Catholic Church, but he's had a huge influence. And they say that he was crucified and, uh, by Nero 
And he said, I cannot be crucified the same way my Lord died. Crucify me upside down. So all this is part of Jesus restoring Peter. And Peter said, I will never deny him again. Because he's for me when when he shouldn't be. That's the God we've come to, the God who loves us. And Jesus says, love him with all your mind. Get your thought life right. And love him with all your strength, your whole being. Lord, help me to bring my whole being to you and to love you. Jesus was actually rewording uh, the book of Joshua, where Joshua is told, but be very careful to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart, and with all your soul. Be very careful. I'm going to tell you some reasons why we need to be very careful in a minute. (laughs) Loving God involves all of you, your emotion, your being, your thoughts, your strength. Uh, And loving God means worshipping him first. He's first. Everything else is second. You can't, Jesus says, love God and money. You've got to make a choice. Well, I'm either going for money or I'm going for God. And part of being a Christian is saying, I am no longer going to bow down to the God of sport or whatever you put first in your life. I'm going to bow down to Jesus and he will tell me where sport fits in, if it fits in anywhere. It's an incredible thing. So at 12, I said, I will give my life to you just before I die. Forgot all about God. Didn't meet another Christian for nine more years and thankfully was invited to a church uh, when I was 21. And after going for three months, I I said, Lord, I'm yours. Everything. Whatever you want me to do, I'm yours. My dad wanted me to take over his tarmac company I wanted to be a tennis player, uh, and uh, uh, there were various things. I was at university, and I just said, Lord, I just offer you my life. You tell me where tennis fits in. You tell me where the tarmac business fits in. I had to tell my dad quite soon after that, God's called me to preach. I'm sorry, Dad, sell you because he wanted to retire and me to take over his half of the company. Uh, I'm sorry, Dad, I think God's called me to preach. So I was the first Christian in my family. I'm still the only Christian, actually, on my side of the family, uh, which is a continual prayer request for me. John Piper says this, uh, our entire being is to display that we love God. That's what it means when it says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our entire being is to display that we love God. If you go to Liverpool, you can see what some of their entire being displays. So a lot of the number plates in Liverpool start with EFC, which means they are displaying that they are Everton supporters. A lot of the number plates begin with LFC. They are displaying that they love Liverpool. And they'll be wearing red or they'll be wearing blue. When you meet people in Liverpool, if they're a man, they'll often say, are you a red or a blue? It's important to them. And I say, I'm a purple. I say, I want both the teams to do well. I want both the teams to stay in the premiership because God has called me to this city. 
If you ever want to go to a great shopping centre, it's called Liverpool One. Uh, and um, uh, the, the local humour uh, is just genius in Liverpool. They really are very funny people. And uh, if you go to the Everton store, do you know what it's called? It's called Everton Two. And its address is Liverpool One. So they think that's very funny, uh, that they managed somehow to get their, uh, uh, their name in that way. But what, what the Bible says is that actually our identity isn't red or blue, uh, a football team. Our identity is we belong to him. We're his even when we come and take bread and wine, we're really saying, I'm yours, Lord. You bought me with an incredible price, your broken body, your blood shed to wash me clean. I'm yours. Thank you. We're just saying thank you. We're remembering what Jesus did every time we break bread and just say thank you. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve you dying in my place. But Jesus says he did it and offers it to anyone who wants it. So, our entire being is to display that we love God. And in Matthew, Jesus says it this way, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Put God's purposes first. That doesn't mean you don't have some of your own thoughts. You think, I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that. Uh, I still play tennis. But I don't think tennis is my God anymore. In fact, I'm sure it isn't my God anymore. Uh, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, you can start very well as a Christian. When you first come to Jesus, there, there is a sort of a burst of life in you. The Bible actually says you were dead and you are now alive. And that life seems to just flow with love. But be very careful to love the Lord. Because if you've been a Christian long enough, you will be able to say, well, that person seemed to be going well for Jesus. They made such a difference in my life, and now they're not even a Christian. They don't seem to be anywhere with God now. So for me, when I break bread, I just think, wow, Lord, I'm still yours. I'm still following you. I'm so thankful. And it's not because of me. And I'm sure Peter got that. He would more and more think it's not because of me. It's because of Jesus coming, Jesus praying, Jesus restoring me, lifting me, helping me, encouraging me. Say, come on, Peter, I haven't given up on you. God doesn't give up on us, but we can give up on him. So be very careful to love God. In Revelation 2, it says this, you have forsaken the love you had at first. And who's he saying that to? An amazing church in Ephesus. This church in Ephesus burst on the scene in a demonic city in what is now called Turkey. And, um, and Paul built a huge church there with extraordinary miracles, if you read Acts 19. And they think the church might have even got to 80,000 people at one time. However, just a few decades later... Uh, maybe only 30 years, 40 years later, you have forsaken the love you had at first. There were people burning their demonic witchcraft scrolls, giving their life to Jesus in Ephesus, and some of them had forsaken their first love. That can happen. You, 
you can lose your love for Jesus. So be very careful to love God. Love can grow cold. Things can come in. You can focus on all kinds of different things. Uh, You can even be cross with God because he didn't answer that prayer or hurt that this person was asked to do a job you thought you should do. They got to preach, you didn't. They got to lead worship, you didn't. You're on the children's rotor again, they're not. And, and, and we can compare ourselves with each other and we can find our love can grow cold. Somehow we've got to say, Lord, keep my love hot for you. So be careful to love God. Uh, because your love can grow cold. Be careful to love God because the world is very tempting. In 1 John 2, it says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. By the way, when it says be very careful, it sounds a bit scary. Like, what's God going to do? What's God going to do? He's going to come back to you and encourage you and restore you and help you and bring other Christians around you. So be very careful isn't because he's harsh, he's picky. God isn't like that. We have a God who is love. But in Joshua it says this, um, chapter 23, verse 11, Be very careful because the Lord your God fights for you. So be very careful to love God. If God's for you, who can be against you? He fights for you. He was fighting for Peter on that beach when he was saying, do you love me, Peter? So you could could see that story and think, wow, isn't Jesus picky? Peter's already said he loves him, and Jesus is asking him a second time. Yes, do you love me a third time? Isn't he picky? No, he's he's restoring Peter. Peter hated the fact that he denied the Lord. He was ashamed of the fact he denied the Lord. He told everyone he wouldn't do that, and he'd done it. He'd been the leader of the disciples in so many ways. He was always the first to speak, always the first to move. He acted first and then thought later. And I think something in him thought, I'm disqualified. How can God use me? I've denied the Lord. No one else denied the Lord. He was the only one. Judas betrayed the Lord, so Judas was definitely worse. But Peter was second worst. And Jesus says, no, I'm restoring you, Peter. You're going to preach the Pentecost sermon. You're the one who's going to be the rock I'm going to build my church on. Actually, all the apostles he built the church on, apart from Jesus. So be very careful because God fights for you. There are times when you aren't even fighting, God's fighting for you. When he reaches down to save us, he takes us in his hands and he never lets us go. Do you know that? Are you convinced that that's true? There's a song uh, that I love. It's, Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Uh, Charlotte and I had the privilege of being in uh, Mexico 
singing that song in Spanish, which we can't do very well. So, uh, but all I, could, all I could work out was a little bit of the Spanish. And I, I just kept meditating on, he's fighting our battles. And God was illustrating through my life as a Christian the times where I wasn't fighting, but he was. And I just started crying when I thought, wow, God, you've been fighting battles that I kind of gave up on. I thought, oh, God is for us. Who can be against us? And every knee will bow before him. All of us will bow before him one day. All of us. Everyone will confess that Jesus is Lord. And he says, come, get to know me now as my child. Be very careful to love God because his love is bigger than we can fathom. Uh, We love him, the Bible says in 1 John, because he first loved us. God took the initiative. God sent his son from heaven to earth, from the earth to the cross, For us, it's a remarkable thing what God has done to take the initiative to rescue a rebel people. We're sinners. And he says, I'm clean, come to me. You can be clean if I wash you clean. He takes the initiative. I had this totally backwards. I used to think when I first became a Christian that God loves me because I've chosen to follow Jesus. That's why he loves me. As long as I keep hanging on to Jesus and keep following Jesus, it's all about me and my faith and my following. God will keep loving me. And if I don't keep following, he'll hate me and throw me into hell. That is not the picture the gospel says. The good news is much better than that. The good news says that he loves me and that's why I love him. He chose me That's why I chose him. I remember Christians telling me that and me arguing with them and saying, no way he chose me. I chose him. That's why he chose me. And they would show me different scriptures. And then they showed me, uh, eventually after about two years of people showing me different scriptures, I became convinced that they were right. Ephesians 1 says this, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us. And I became convinced that this tough doctrine that I was chewing on, that God took the initiative, I thought it was all about me and because I'd rejected it at 12 and thankfully I got a second chance at 21. But what a wise man I was. I chose to follow Jesus. It's all about me. The the good news is much better than that. It doesn't rely on me. Peter probably thought, it's all about me, and then he lets Jesus down, and he's beating himself up. And Jesus says, it was never all about you, Peter. I am going to use you. I am for you. I am going to use you to preach, to, to build churches. But it's all about Jesus. And so I was chewing and chewing over this tough idea that God took the initiative, not me. And when I finally swallowed it, I, I, I had a, like a, a liquid love just flowed through me. It, it was incredible. I just, just felt 
I definitely had that feeling when I became a Christian, but something multiplied uh, that I can only say must have been God doing something in me. So God's love for us is a safety net. And uh, Paul says this, I am convinced that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I like the word convinced. I was not convinced, and I thought it was all about me. Then I became convinced. I thought, wow. And I, I got a new dimension of the love of God flowing into me and out from me. That now makes me think, actually, it's all about him. Uh, so my favorite verse in the Bible is, even if we are faithless, Peter was faithless. He had less faith than he should have had, considering he'd lived with Jesus for three years. Even when we are faithless, he remains full of faith. Faithful. Jesus' faith doesn't stop. Jesus' faith for us doesn't stop. He's faithful. He chose us. That's why we follow him. And nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from his love. He has put a safety net under the life of everyone who comes and says, Jesus, I remember you. I'm yours. Here I am, Lord. Just as I am, I'm coming. Clean me. Wash me. Let your blood pay for all my sin. So God's love was demonstrated in what Jesus did. It says this in Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know if you get what it says there. God did something amazing for us, the most amazing thing, while we were sinners. Now, because of that statement, all the rest of the New Testament says, if God did that when we were his enemies... That's the thought. How much more will he do for you now that you're his children? Now, if you're an enemy of God, that means you're not a Christian yet. He's still saying, I love you so much, I sent my son to die in your place. Come, there's good news. You can come just as you are. But if you're a child of God, it's, it's amazing grace, you don't deserve it. If you're a child of God, how much more? If God could do that when we were enemies, how much more? You're a child. We have the privilege as children of coming to a father and saying, Father, help me, I'm struggling. Father, help me, I'm suicidal at the moment. I'm depressed. Help me, Father. I love the, the how much more that Paul and Becky shared uh, when they said they just needed God to provide. They weren't sure if they were going to make it financially. But how much more will God provide for his children? So be very careful to love him because he provides all your needs. In Romans 5, 5, it says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts. So you might be thinking, I wish I loved God more. Ask for more of the Spirit of God. I wish I loved God more. Ask to be convinced that nothing can separate. You may think it's still about you. 
Ask God to help you to swallow the truth that nothing can separate you. I wish I loved God more. Just come back to him and say, Father, I'm your child already. I want to love you more. We have the privilege. God's going to answer that prayer. That isn't a selfish prayer. He wants us to love him. He's loving us, whether we are great at loving him or not. But he, he, it's good for us to love him. Our life is better when we love him. So there's a, uh, I don't know if you like reading biographies, but uh, one of my heroes is a, an American evangelist called Charles Finney. And he was doing okay. He was seeing some people become Christians through his preaching the gospel. But then an event happened, and everything changed. And he would even just walk into a factory, uh, and the whole factory would stop, and people would start weeping because they felt convicted that they weren't right with God. And and the the owner of the business would stop the, the factory and say, stop, we're not working now. We're asking Mr. Finney to come and preach to us. Uh, So this is the experience that he said was a turning point for him. He said this, he was walking, he said, the Spirit of God descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. The waves came over me and over me, one after another, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me, I said. Lord, I cannot bear any more. Yet I had no fear of death. He talks about this liquid love going through him. And in Romans 5 it says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Us loving God is also God's responsibility as we come back to him and say, Lord, I need your help. I'm not really very good at loving you. It's not all about us. It's it's about him working in us. I don't know if you'll have an experience like Charles Finney where you feel like you can't take any more of this liquid love being poured into you. Uh, It seems a bit of a recurring theme uh, for... If you read lots of biographies of Christians who've done great things for God, they seem to talk about an experience of the Spirit of God overwhelming them. Well, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe we need more. We believe we can ask our Father, how much more is he going to give us the Spirit? He's not going to give us something else when we ask him for more of him, to help us love him, which he's commanded us to do. The very thing he's asked us to do is beyond us, on our own. But the very thing he's asked us to do is totally capable for us with him. We need him. We're not going to make it without him. We were never meant to. 
He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So why are you trying to do it on your own? I'm really struggling to love you, Lord. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you to help you through this journey with me. It's an amazing thing, but we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love each other, and to love Chester, to make a difference here. It always starts with us, though. It's got to start from the inside out, flowing outward. So I'm going to pray for I'm going to ask the band to come back, uh, and um, I'm going to pray. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask for God's love to flow through you, uh, to, we're going to spend time praying for anyone who'd like prayer. Uh, I'd love to pray for the Spirit of God to come on you in a different way. Maybe today you think, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'd love to pray for you. Uh, Lord, we need you. Lord, just like Peter needed you, Lord, we need you to come back and encourage us because we're really not that great at loving you. We ask for an outpouring of the Spirit of God to flow the love of God through us. Help us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love each other, to love Christians wherever we meet them, whatever denomination they're they're from. And Lord, help us to love this city. And wherever you take us, Lord, help us to make a difference because of your love flowing through us. In Jesus' name, amen.